Jesse Drew, and we are going to talk with my brother Jeffrey Watson about the Blair Witch Project from 1999. It was a year that was so fine. Eh, 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 nine, nine, nine. I was dreaming when I wrote this. So, sue me if I, I was just about to start. So I'm glad you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do that. If you, if I had known you were going to do that, I'll let you do that. <laughs> We nope. don't do that. We don't. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, hello, everyone, friends, family, new friends. Uh, welcome to Movies to Be Murdered by the podcast, hosted by two people of color. You got two people of color in one podcast talking about horror movies, people. Okay, this is a real treat. Uh, shout out to all of the podcasts everywhere about anything led by people of color, because we are here for that. Yeah. Um, if you are not a person of color, you are welcome to the party because we will not do to you as has been done to us. Um, we are talking today about 1999's seminal film, The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Um, it was written by those same two guys. It's starring Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, Joshua Leonard, and it was something of a phenomenon, something like a phenomenon. <laughs> I was going to go right into that. Um, Jeffrey Watson Esquire, the third. Tell us a little bit about what you remember just off the cuff off the top of your head, memories of, I mean, first of all, did you go see the Blair Witch Project in the theater? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And you were like two years old. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> I'm years kidding. Old. Okay. Yeah. You were, you were 40. <laughs> you were already 40. 41. So, who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> uh, yeah, I absolutely saw it in the theaters and I'll be honest. The first time that I saw a trailer for it or I heard about it, I was like, holy crap, this is a real thing. And all the stuff that my mom said about watching all these demented movies is true. Like, I, I'm doomed because the stuff that I like to see, you know, this is a real story and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And I, I mean, I just remember thinking that this was like a true documentary found footage. Someone, you know, these three people were, you know, yeah, they were they were uh, trying to find out this information and they met their demise. And I thought that for a little while, I'll be honest with you, they got me uh, hook, line and sinker and, you know. It was it was terrifying, honestly. What about you? Um, I went to go see it in the theater. Um, I definitely remember not being sure. I had no idea whether this was for real or if this was a ruse, you know. So I was just in there like super curious, um, kind of feeling like, oh, it's just probably fake. Um, you know, I know it's probably fake, you know, but I really didn't know. I was not sure. I had um, talked about after after rewatching the movie. Um, I was talking about this with my husband, and he we were talking about this about the whole like, did you know that it was real? Did you think it was fake? And he had said that um, he had gone with his friend, and both of them weren't sure if it was also weren't sure if it was real or fake. Um, and I said, yeah, you know, I had opened my mouth to tell him like, well. 
back then, it's not like we had the internet and we both, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. We did have the internet. It just, they had a website mm. I, and I, I'm pretty sure I logged on to it to see like, what's the scoop. And I still couldn't make out whether oh, yeah. it was real or fake. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think they call it like the first vi movie that went viral yeah. or something like that. Even, you know, before the technology for something to go viral was rough just because their marketing campaign was so amazing. And I, we were, you know, my husband and I started talking about it today and I said they could just make a movie just about the marketing campaign. That's all like, you know, you, you could just talk about that. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's so fascinating. And then in looking it up, they actually did make a movie about it's called like Into the Woods or something like that, or In the Woods. And it was about the how they marketed it and got people to believe that these three kids were missing for real. Uh, something like they they were under contract that they couldn't like appear in other movies or TV shows for a certain amount of time after the movie, like you know, after the movie was released and they, they couldn't go, they weren't able to go on any of the promo tours, which right. kind of sucks because they released this at Sundance and like, you'd want to, you know, as an actor, especially like you'd want to be, and you're starting out, like you'd want to be at Sundance and whatever. Right. But ultimately the plan on how they marketed this movie by making it very uh, mysterious worked. Um, so you were, like back when you saw it, if you can remember, like back when you saw it, um, were you with other people? Did you go by yourself? Were you real? Were you scared? Like, was it this one of the scariest movies you had seen? Had you ever seen a found footage movie before? So I'll answer the last question first. No, I had never seen a found footage film before. Uh, I went with several friends who. We all thought that, you know, we were tough and, you know, we, it's a movie, you know, that kind of thing. Secretly, I'm sitting there like, holy crap, I hope I don't like jump or yell <laughs> or scream or anything like that while the rest of these people are here because I didn't want to look like a punk. But um, <laughs> I was, I mean, I was terrified. I was legitimately terrified. And, you know, I just remember looking at the footage and, Obviously, you know, there weren't many found footage films out there, um, number one. But number two, it just looked it looked real like it. It looked like if I if I took my video camera out into the woods, which was another reason I was freaked out, because I lived in an area where there were a ton of wooded areas. So, oh. yeah. So it's like, OK. You got that element. Then I, being the person that I am, have, you know, wandered off into the woods a few times and have felt that, you know, paranoia of, oh, crap, am I lost? Do I know how to get back? Now, luckily, you know, the wooded areas weren't as, you know, deep as, you know, what they were going through, but still wooded areas. And I'm just thinking like, oh, my God, you know this this branch that i saw this twig that i saw is that uh what you know what about that what about this sound so it created all of these questions for me that honestly like i had never thought of until i watched this movie and i just remember being extremely terrified and then years later um a couple of the friends that i went with you know i was like you know what you what you guys think about the Blair Witch? Like honestly, now that we're adults and you know we don't have to put up this fake bravado or anything like that, what did you think of the Blair Witch Project? And one of my friends said, honestly, at the end, I thought I was going to piss my pants, and I was like, okay, there. <laughs> All right, another round. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool that you guys could talk about that. You know, so many years yeah. later. I don't remember who I went with. I know I went with, it must have been either been my sister um, and a friend or just friends. You know, um, I do remember um, it not being in that many theaters. 
for a while, you know, and then in reading about it, I found out that it had a super small release. And then as it started making money and gaining, they saw that it was, you had an audience, they released more, you know, widely. But one of the first places I think was the Angelica theater, which is um, down in the village um, in New York city, which I used to frequent um, with my sister and then just on my own. But yeah, so I, maybe I saw it there. I'm guessing because it was like one of the only places it was playing. Um, and we used to go down to the city so much um, around that time. Okay. So spoilers ahead. Just if you are interested in watching this movie and you never have, or you haven't seen it in the 20 something, 22, 22 years since it came out. Um, pause right here and come back to us. And now you're back. And um, we will continue with spoilers ahead. So the movie is was was purported to be found footage of three um, student filmmakers who went missing in the woods just outside of Burkittsville, Maryland, in 1994. Um, they had a very realistic missing poster made up with the three faces. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, which is sort of like a documentary, um, it just says, you know, three student filmmakers like, you know, went missing in 1994. A year later, their belongings and their footage, their video footage was found. And then what ensues is like what, you know, what they had recorded. Basically it's the story of these, you know, this girl, Heather, and these two guys, Josh and Mike, who set out to make a documentary about the Blair Witch legend um, in Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, in Maryland. I keep thinking Pennsylvania, but <laughs> um, it's Maryland. And they, um, I think they're all strangers to each other. They just meet like for the first time, I think like for this project or something. That's the impression that I get, you know, they don't really know each other that well. And they're interviewing people around the town um, they shoot a scene in a cemetery and they're talking about, you know, how many children went missing. And then they head out into the woods. They want to go see the cemetery where, you know, there's some sort of like, I'm sorry. First, they want to see some place called Coffin's Rock or Coffin Stone, mm -hmm. um, where the bodies of like five men were found and then by by like a rescue party and then when everybody came back to rescue them they were it was they were gone um never found and then other another spot where she calls she calls it the cemetery right it's like she's like oh when we get to the cemetery and then i'm i'm looking for a cemetery and i realize that it's just this like area with um these cairns which are like you know these piles of stones and rocks there are seven, seven kids had, seven children had gone missing. Um, I'm going to stop right here because I have to ask you something. And I may sound really dumb, but whatever. Okay. I'm dumb if I, if it is. Um, they're tosh, they want, they're like, they start out, they want to make this documentary about the Blair Witch, mm -hmm. which is literally a witch that they, there's a legend about that you know, uh, this one woman has seen, you know, that she doesn't, that this witch doesn't walk on the ground, that it's kind of like misty. They talk to like a fisherman who says like, yeah, like I saw her. She's like kind of like a, came out of the mist or whatever. But then they're talking, they ask people about that, but these people are talking about some guy who killed seven kids up in the mountain. Or like up, you know, like up this sort of small mountain or whatever, the woods area, right? right? So are they talking about two different things? Where does the Blair Witch and this guy who killed the kids connect? Because it's not the witch who kills them. It's this guy. They they say that. Mm -hmm. So what's, I, what does the witch have anything to do with it? Like, I, I'm i like, where's the witch? <laughs> I think the fact that maybe she uh, possessed the man that did it. Um. I think that's more or less what it is that she kind of has the ability to inhabit anyone. And, you know, if you get too close, then 
you know, you become hers essentially. So I think that I think that's kind of the the gist because I I thought the same thing too. Thank you for saying that. I know you didn't. You're you're way too smart for that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I really do. I was just I was just thinking to myself because I was like I was like wait a minute okay so there's this guy and they mention his name I forget his name but they mention his name and that he come he comes down from his house which is like up in these woods and is like um he's they say like that he says I'm done and they're like what are you talking about and he leads them back up to the house and there's the bodies of seven children that he's murdered the same seven kids that have gone missing and so I'm like okay, wait, what happened to the witch? Like, what's the documentary about? Like, is it about the serial killer? Like, or is it a, like, or is it about a witch? Like, are they one and the same? Like, <laughs> is this a man who dresses up as a witch? Like, I just got really confused because I may, and like I said, maybe I missed it in the movie, but I feel like I didn't hear them make that connection. It seemed like two separate things. And maybe if, any of our friends who are listening also could, I, I mean, I believe you, Jeff, that that's probably the, the case that the witch, because in witch lore, like uh, supposedly they like to kill children and babies, right? Because they like helps keep them young and, or whatever. No. So that makes sense. Like if she's inhabiting or like forcing the hand of people and inspiring evil. But I'm wondering, like, maybe did I, did we both miss it? Like, is there, was there something said? at some point that where I don't know. Okay. So I, all right, we'll leave that there. We'll shelve it. Any of our friends who listen to this, you know, who listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube, cause we're on YouTube people um, want to send us a text message or write into the show movies to be murdered by a Gmail. And you can put the subject. Jess is dumb. <laughs> That's fine. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm being we're, silly. We're I'm not allowing. We're not allowing any Jesse slander. No, I'm just. I'm being silly. Thank <laughs> you. But um, <laughs> um. So yeah. So they hear all these stories. Then they head up into the woods, right? And they're the director is the girl. Her name is Heather, and she's very. She's got a taste for the dramatic and the theatrical for sure. You could tell. You know the actress if she's playing as herself or if she's playing a character it's just very theatrical dramatic you know um i've got everything under control everything is cool i know where we're going and she does get them to where they need to go um the problem is on the way back she essentially like just she has taken so many off height off trails so that she, coming back, she thinks she knows where she's going and she's totally not going anywhere at all. Um, and at that point, they all start to get mad at each other and they all start to get annoyed. Um, all of their flaws, each of their flaws starts, you know, bugging out the others. She uh, kind of doesn't stop filming this whole time. I mean, good for us, you know, bad for their relationships because they're all angry at her for continuing to film and document every single thing that's going on while they're lost, while they're starving, while they're crying, while they're upset, while they're hysterical, while they're freaking out and angry and not, you know, she just doesn't stop recording. Um, so eventually, so essentially they're lost at one point. Um, she's looking for the map. There's no map. The map is gone. Uh, Mike, then later in a fit of the giggles, which is like just him sort of losing it, <laughs> admits that he tossed the map away, you know, and it's gone. They don't have, and they, they basically, Josh and Heather basically run at him and attack him physically because they're just so besides themselves that they don't have a map anymore. That was key to their getting out. It said, et cetera, getting out of the woods. They're starting to feel really desperate now. Every night that they've camped out, um, I think they camp out like a total of four nights, maybe something yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, every night it gets increasingly worse in terms of the sounds that they hear outside their tent, odd occurrences. They wake up to find, um, you know, wooden dolls, like very crude dolls hanging from trees, you know, um, moss covered 
human-like forms. It's just really odd. They hear like children's noises and screams in the nighttime. They're all very, very scared. They want to go back to the car, which is, they had left like just outside the woods, you know. Um, then they wake up one morning and Josh is gone. Um, somebody the day before had taken all their stuff <laughs> um, and then they wake up, like I said, and Josh is just gone. He's missing. They're terrified. They're calling for him. They can't find him. Now they're really bugging out. Mike starts like rocking back and forth and talking to himself and laughing, you know, in the, you know, sort of like typical, I've lost my mind. I've lost my marbles type of stance. Right. Um, and Heather starts just crying and losing it. And that night, they are positive that they hear Josh screaming for them and screaming in terror, but they can't find him. They can't even see him. They can't even see anything because, you know, they have like the camera light and that's it. And he sounds kind of far away. Definitely sounded like him to me though. What did you think? Like the first night that they heard the screams. Yeah. You... Yeah. I, I was there. I'm there with you. I, it sounded like him. And obviously at that point, if you're, you know, if you're Mike and Heather, you you're holding out hope that, you know, that he's that this is him. I mean, regardless of what condition or state he's in, you ju you're just hoping that it's him again. So, yeah, for sure. Um, also, let me interject. I was talking with my friend Luann earlier. She's a big fan of the show. She wanted me to say hello to Jeff. Um, she says oh. the, the calmest voice in horror. <laughs> she wants, she said, tell him I said, hi, he's the calmest voice in horror. So hello from my friend, Luann. Nice. Thank you, man. Hello. To yeah. You. Yeah. She is absolutely lovely. Uh, she does not watch horror movies at all because uh, I think she's like many people, you know, put off by them. They're scary. You know, yeah. scary is not always a good feeling, you know? Um, yet she's a big fan of our show. So there you have it, which you know, hats off to friends who this might not be their genre or their, you know, their thing, but they support us. So thank you. Thank we you. will interrupt for a thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we'll get back into it. So they hear this, they are screaming for Josh. They can't see him. They can't get a sense of where the screams are coming from. The next day they just walk more and more. And um, no, let me backtrack. They wake up the next morning. Heather sees a bundle of sticks shaped like people wrapped up in what is obviously Josh's flannel. 1994 people, we're talking flannel shirts, baby. We're talking Nirvana and Seinfeld and all those things from the 90s that we all love. Okay, back to rewind back to normal, Jesse. <laughs> um, yeah, we see strips of his, of his flannel shirt that are you know, holding the bundle together. She unwraps it. She finds a bigger piece of his shirt. And inside, it's it's all bloody. And she says, so this is all bloody. You could see it anyway. And then inside, Jeff, do you want to do the honors of what is inside? No, you don't. Okay. There's teeth with blood all over them, like pulled out from like the root, like so that yeah. it's, it's not just like a little tooth, like, oh, the tooth fairy. No, it's like the whole thing comes right out. Adult teeth, um, a finger, part of a finger, and a large part of a tongue. Yeah. So that's, and that's wrapped in Josh's shirt. And that's why we heard those screams, you know. She freaks out, understandably. She wraps it all back, like throws it. And then she runs to the little creek and washes her hands because they're covered in blood. And she's like, this I thought was very, I thought it was like very realistic. Mm -hmm. She like she like rinses off her hands and she's showing the camera because she's recording everything. So we don't see her face, but she's showing the camera how clean her hands are. And she's like, look, look, like, see, see, like, you know, kind of like in her head, like, no, this is not real. Like the blood's off, you know, and my hands are clean. This never happened, you know, and then Mike's calling for her and asking her what the heck she's doing. And she's like, no, no, I'm just washing my hands. And she never tells him like what was delivered to their tent doorstep. <laughs> Right. And I don't blame her. I, my husband was like, wait, did she tell him? And I was like, no, she does not want to tell him. She does not want to upset him. 
right that's not going to do yeah because he's already he's gone beyond and what good is that really going to do for someone whose mind is unraveling and therein lies the 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 horror of this movie i think and i think you we talked a little bit about this before jeff about Mm -hmm. how like the horror of this movie is like feeling like the movie makes you feel like you're there. Yes. You know, like it's one of those movies that, you know, you, you hear people talk about a movie transporting you to a specific location or a specific time. uh, If it's a period piece, this is one of those movies that you feel no matter where you are, you can be in a room full of people. You can, you can be outside on a bright sunny day. If you're watching this movie, you feel this eerie, you know, feeling where you don't know what's next. You, you know, you're kind of anticipating along with them. And that's what's so brilliant about this is because we're going, they're taking us on the ride with them as they go. And having Heather kind of document everything, it makes it feel like that. It makes it feel like you're a part of the journey and there are times where you just want to say, hey, how about you turn this way or do this? You feel that need to kind of help them, even though, you know, you can't. So this is one of those movies that is really good at transporting you into the uh, the scenery. Yep. 100 <laughs> percent. I was sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, why do I feel so scared right now? My hands are like my feet were all like tense and cold and my hands were clammy and I'm not, you know, feeling great. And I'm starting to feel like kind of like scared, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, it's because I feel like it's because I feel like I'm right there with them because of the, because of the way the, you know, the footage is shot. Um, It's all shaky and handheld and, you know, it's just, and I, I just like, I, and then particular to this, to this time period, like, you know, I was a teenager in the, in the mid nineties. And like, I remember when like, you know, cause they're all like all three of them smoke, I think, except for Mike, I don't know, Mike, no, Mike smokes too. They all yeah. smoke cigarettes. And like, I remember, you know, being a smoker as a teenager and like, you know, in the mid nineties, like, and how like having a cigarette was like, you know, like this, the, focal point of what you were doing at that moment, you right. know? And so like they were, they were smoking cigs and that became a whole thing about like, you know, do you, are there any cigarettes left? Like, you know, and um, it just, I just felt very familiar too. Like, it's not like I'm from Maryland or, you know, or anything, but I just felt like I could see myself in that situation with other teenagers doing something stupid and, you know, yeah. Just being there or, or knowing people who were there or something, you know what I mean? Like it just felt, and I was like, well, as I'm watching, I'm like, I feel this feels real. You know, this feels very real. Um, I had uh, found this article, which um, was really just like a kind of like a pull from Stephen King's book, Dance Macabre. And I had shared it with you, Jeff. I know we both read it um, about how he really had, <laughs> He really admired um, this movie. He felt it was truly scary. It truly scared him. And uh, I'm sorry. I just I got some interference. On my- <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So it it really uh, it really scared him. And he said because it felt so damn real. Like it felt so damn real. And I'm like, yep, that's it. That's, that's it. Yeah. He said it all. It felt really real. And so you know. Heather and Heather and Mike continue on their journey. They're really out of sorts. Um, they just keep wandering around the woods. At this point, they have no idea where they're going. They're just picking a random direction because she still has the compass and they're going east. And they um, settle in for the night again. Heather records a video message, a teary you know, teary eyed video message. And that's, you know, the graphic that we see on the poster for the film with the person's face that's like cut off to like here and has like a bright light on them. And she's crying and she's saying like, you know, she apologizing to the moms of the three of them because she says she sort of 
kind of like finally cops to like the fact that she wasn't as in charge as she kind of made herself out to be that she was really naive in doing this and that she feels that, I mean, I think she was wrong. And she said like, this is all my fault. I feel like this is all my fault that all of this is happening because of, you know, how naive I was. I don't think it was really entirely her fault. Like if we were just going to look at it, like it really did happen. I don't think it was her fault. What do you think, Jeff? I don't think it was her fault. I mean, you know, was was this a, I guess, a passion project for her to kind of make this film and do this? Absolutely. But it wasn't her fault uh, because there was genuine mutual interest um, from Mike and from Josh. And, you know, I don't think it is fair for her to take all of the blame or for us as an audience to give her all of the blame um, because it's not like she forced them to tag along. Um, but I mean, it's just one of those things where you can look at Mike doing something with the map, you know, I mean, that, that doesn't help matter. So, right. um, so no, I, I don't think it's fair for her to take all the blame and receive all the, the criticism. Yeah. I just, um, I, I, I Mike at one point was, you know, is yelling at her and like blaming her and, she's defending herself and he is saying like, you know, I signed up for a project that was supposed to be like well plotted out. You know what I mean? In these woods, you know, that's what I signed up for. And this is not that, you know? And so she, so I could kind of see like from their point of view, from like Josh and Mike's point of view, like she's the director, she's, you know, sort of like the main person they're working for her, you know, essentially. Um, but she's the one who, was supposed to know where to go and this is not working. This is, even though she keeps saying, she kept saying like, yeah, I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing. I know where we're going. I know where we are. They still got lost. You know what I mean? And one of them is now missing. Um, but that being said, no one plans for something like that to happen. And she didn't, it's like, we don't really see any evidence of really poor planning. It's more just like she wasn't with, as familiar with the woods as she thought she was. Right. And the fact that they are being followed by a person or persons like throughout the, basically throughout the whole film um, is just evidence to things that would, you know, th they all get unnerved. They all start unraveling, which doesn't make, you know, sort of trying to navigate themselves out of the woods any easier. So not trying to make a case for Heather, but I just felt like I remember thinking like when, when that scene popped up and she just seemed so sad and so contrite. And I was like, it's not like, girl, it's not like the whole thing isn't your fault. You were, you were too like demanding. Yes. But like, you didn't make this happen. You know, there's something out there. That's like, there's somebody out there that's chasing the three of you down. You know um, it was funny towards the beginning of all the mess when they were like, it's just probably people from town messing with us. And she was like, why would anyone want to do that? He was like, I don't know. Did you ever see Deliverance? Like, I was like, oh my God, that's the scariest movie about going into the woods. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a cool reference. Anywho, they find a house. This is at nighttime. They both have the cameras on. Uh, at first I was like, come on. Like that almost took me out of the movie. Like they would, Mike and Heather at this point would both be recording. And I was like, oh, duh, they're using it for light because the cameras have lights. Right. So they're both using it as lights. Um, they find a house. They're calling for Josh. They hear somebody or something. They're going up and down the stairs. Mike is more sort of like in a, like, like feverishly, like just, Josh, 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 you know, like just kind of, it just has become a, like a fixation. He can't focus on anything else. He's just going, so she's trying to talk to him and he's like not really paying her any mind. And they're just going up and down these stairs. They're seeing weird symbols everywhere. You see writing. And, but the cool thing about this was that the filmmakers, the production designer, the set designer, they didn't go like too nuts and gnarly that it makes it look fake. You know, like the the children's handprints that we see, like kind of like all over the wall, almost looked a little 
much, but it was just on the line, I think, in my opinion. What did you think? I No, I agree. I think everything was – it was as true to what could happen if this were to happen for real. It, it was as true to that I, as, you know, as I think it could be, honestly. So a uh, quick interjection – there part of this story about this child killer is that he would um, take the children in pairs, make one face the face away from him, face the wall towards the corner while he murdered the other one. And then he would grab the one that was facing the corner in the wall and murder them also. And one of the people that talks on at the beginning of the footage um, from the town says like, Oh, like he couldn't, he said he couldn't stand to feel the kids looking at him. So he, that's why he would make them face the corner. Um, and basically the last scene is that, that we, that we see as an audience, you remember, we're just, this is all found footage. This isn't like a movie, you know, supposed to be found footage. It's not a movie. And we see Mike facing the corner in this room and then Heather screaming and all of a sudden her camera gets knocked down also. And then that's it. That's all that we see. Um, as an audience, we are left hanging cause there's no explanation. There's no nothing after that. Just the credits come on. Um, it, the movie circles back to the idea that these three people are missing, you know? Um, and just that their footage was found and their belongings a year after they went missing. Um, what did you think, Jeff, at the end of the movie? What did you think, if you can remember, what did you think back in 1999 and what did you think in 2021? Oh, um, I remember in 99 thinking, what did I just watch? Like I, I remember, I remember just thinking, like, you know, did I just see three people get murdered essentially on a movie screen? And then once it came out on VHS, yes, VHS. Um, I don't know if you can see it. There you go. It's my tattoo, people. It's hard uh, to. Okay. It's, it's there. <laughs> I, you know, I, it was just, it was terrifying because you're, you're like, okay. I mean, you can assume what happens, but there's this part of you that doesn't want to assume that you're almost like, you know, maybe just maybe, but you know, it, you don't go very far with that. Um, this time around watching it, I think I was more terrified than I was when I was younger. And the reason being is as, as an adult, a true adult is terrifying to one, hear this story about the kids. That's, you know, number one, especially as a parent, you know, that part was just, you know, terrifying for me. But then to see, like, I don't think I truly understood how grave the situation was. Like, just looking in as a viewer, I don't think you can really feel, I couldn't feel those emotions when I watched it way back when. I was just focused on the scared part. Like, this is a creepy movie. This is a creep, whatever this is, this is creepy. And now, as an adult, it's like you feel every single emotion of that moment. And then you start to pose a question to yourself, you know, what would I do if I, you know, if one would have, I would I have even pursued learning about, you know, about this, but two, it, let's say I did, or let's say that I wanted to support a friend and they wanted to, what would I do in those moments? And would I be able to, you know, do something, do anything, do anything at all? And, you know, I think the, the fear of the unknown, 
the fear that there are forces out there that are wicked. Um, it just, it is, is terrifying. It, it, I mean, it really is. And, um, I mean, it's almost hard to put into words how terrifying it is to see this kind of play out in real time, like at, in those moments in front of your eyes, especially with the, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but especially with the premise that, Hey, this is a found footage film. You know, like I, I just, it was terrifying. <laughs> That's, I just went a long way around the fact of saying it was terrifying on both times, but uh, it's more terrifying today to me for some reason than it was back in 99. What about you? Um, I had the same exact reaction that you said you had back then the for after the first time of watching it, where I was like, what did I just see? What just happened? Did I just see him facing the corner like some guy I think mentioned at the beginning? Oh my God. So that means that they're getting murdered like right there on film. Like that's, did I just see that? Like that's, I remember I kept being like, what? Like, no, 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 no. And even thinking like, even if he wasn't getting murdered, that's some scary, whatever that is. He's just standing in the corner, like kind of slumped over, like just facing the corner. Like, what is that? What's that about? You know, and and where the hell is Josh, you know? Um, but I also 100% agree with you about not like being scared and definitely feeling like rankled and spooked out when I left that theater. Like I was definitely glad to get out of the dark theater and step out into wherever, you know? Um, but I, I'm not, I was thinking my feeling watching it now in 2021 um, is that I, I, the, you know, it still worked. It still worked. I, you know, we, we talked, we talked and we said that we would do this July month of horror blockbuster movies, you know, and this movie was made on between 60,000 and 200,000 after like post-production money. It was made for between that amounts. It kept everywhere I read, it kept going back and forth between those two amounts. Like the actual movie was made for like, like under 60 K, but then after all the editing and post-production, it wound up being like 200 K, but then it made like um, an insane amount of money for an independent film. It grossed worldwide. $248.6 million on a budget that was, let's just say it was $200,000. Um, it was the distributing rights were sold to Artisan Entertainment after they did well at Sundance. Um, and they distributed it to like limit it and it still made a lot of money. You know, I mean, it's like number 37 and the highest movie, like, you know, like in terms of like what it was made for versus um, what it made movies, like how much it made. It's like number 37 in terms of the top grossing movies of all time. And in horror and indie movies, it just did so, it just blew everything out, right? So it's, I think it's just because the concept of, the concept of like being left hanging, they always say what's, scarier is what you don't see because we fill in the blanks with plenty of horrific imagery and wondering right so i think that as grown-ups in 2021 both of us are parents um even if we weren't parents i think just coming at this movie as grown-ups we're feeling, we understand what feeling vulnerable is like a whole hell of a lot more than we did when we were in our teenage years, which I think we both were when we saw this movie. Mm -hmm. um, you can't, like you said, you can't quite grasp all of the, all of the different types of fear and the gravity of that situation was really, they, I mean, they understood it. They were, cause they were like in it and they were really good. And the actors were really good at displaying this. They were like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, 
no one said it like out loud, but they were basically like, we're going to die. One of them says it at one point, like we're going to die, you know? And the other one says, we're not going to like, don't worry. If you guys are worrying, this is America. No, you can't even, you can't even hope to get lost anymore in any place in America. Everything's like, so, you know, like there's roots, there's, there's trails, there's, commerce everywhere like you know there's nowhere to get lost anymore don't worry guys we got this you know but it's not true like they found one place where they stumbled and there was someone coming after them and like she said they were she was too naive you know so we can see that as grown-ups now and appreciate without you know without the block of feeling young and invincible because i mean it's literally a thing when you're young you feel like you're never going to die that's like a biological thing, you know? <laughs> and when you're grown up, you definitely know you can die. <laughs> you right. Know? That's the horror of getting old, right? Is that you realize like, yeah, there's, we're mortal. Whoops. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, um, and then as parents too, you know, I didn't quite feel this way yet because my son isn't like a teenager yet. And these, you know, he's still young, but like, I did sort of look at them like kids too. You know, I didn't, I didn't, when I saw this movie, I think I thought of them as like kind of older than me, which they probably were supposed to be. And now I'm like those kids, like those were just kids, you know, they might've been like 21 or 22 or however, they're just kids. Like that's the hell were they doing, you know? So also one other thing that grabbed me, and I'll just like with reference to the date is how at one scene, Josh is like, um, my girlfriend is going to notice that I'm missing because I didn't call her because I haven't called her. And when I haven't called her for two days, she's going to, she's going to be worried. And when I don't show up at, and the other one's like, I don't shut up at work. And they were like, when you don't show up at work, people are going to start taking notice that we're missing and they're going to come look for us. Right. And so, and it's like, you know, it's that little like twinge that you get now as watching it. Like they can, this would never happen now because of cell phones. I mean, they might not have service, but they would have cell phones. They would be calling, you know, like somebody would have service at some point, you know, and it's just, there's, there's lots of like little, little inklings of this could never happen now you know, for, for the movie, but it didn't feel dated to me somehow, even though it was, it was nostalgic to see like their clothes and the way they were acting just cause they were young, you know, young in the nineties, but like, it didn't feel dated and unwatchable at all. I think it's actually aged pretty good. I mean, I, I know it's been 20 something years since I saw it, but I remembered it very well. And I was like, it'll, pro I, I was thinking to myself, it'll probably be a little boring because I know the ending already and nope, not boring at all. Nope. <laughs> scary, still scary. So if you haven't watched the Blair Witch Project, the original, the OG, none of the sequels and whatnot, uh, watch it <laughs> because if you haven't seen it since the nineties, watch it. It's, it holds up. It's a great, it's a good movie. It's a good, it's a good horror movie. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I can't think of any movies that are like it. You know, obviously a lot of movies that came out since then because of the success of this found footage thing, but they were all different. They, none of them could do a, a campaign like the Blair Witch Project did with the whole, like, is this for real or is this for fake? Are these people really missing or are they just actors? You know, um, Cloverfield, um, Paranormal Activity, Mm -hmm. All of these were like found footage type films um, that were all very successful and like bankrolled by, you know, the major Hollywood players and studios. But none of them quite had the the real like stomach gut punch that the Blair Witch Project had. Um, do you feel like giving this movie a rating? Do you have anything else you want to say? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, you're not. I, I mean, honestly... I've said it already, but this is, it was terrifying watching it again. Um, I struggle with, I struggle with what to grade it because there's a part of me that wants to just give it a five, but you know, 
five uh, headstones because of what it what it created a lane for um, because it was so unique and so terrifying. Um, then there's a part of me that's like, you know, at a 4.5 and I don't really know why I'm taking off the half. Um, I, I guess I'm going to do it. I I'll say five. Um, because what it, for what it was, it was so unique. If you take the entirety of the marketing and the way this was made and, you know, the idea that they kept these actors out of the spotlight because they wanted to keep that image of it being real. Um, that took some dedication. And I'm sure that um, I'm I'm hoping that those actors were paid handsomely to uh, to do that, because honestly, I'm pretty sure that some of these folks could have gotten other jobs during that point. Um, and Josh, by the way, I love him in so many things that he does. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I, the fact that he's in this and this was kind of his first foray. And then he's been in a lot of other really good horror movies since then. Um, yeah, that was great. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with a five on this. I I feel like it's it's a worth. It's a classic, honestly, um, for what it did for the horror genre. And I know the next question: the ink test. There's no way I'd get any ink of this film anywhere remotely close <laughs> to the surface on my body. There's no way because. I still, there's still a part of me that's like, you know what? I just don't want to play with that. So I don't want any reminders of it. So no ink for me. It's a classic, but uh, you won't see me tat it with, uh, with this anywhere close to me. Uh, so with that being said, rating and the ink test for you. Um. Well, I just wanted to say one thing, like, uh, I forget which character it was in the film. One of the people that they interviewed uh, was like, was like, <laughs> was like, I, uh, I don't believe in it enough to like, I forget to make a big deal out of it, but I believe in it enough that I'm not going anywhere near those woods. <laughs> I think it's the mom with the baby. She says yeah, that like, right. yeah, she's and the baby keeps trying to quiet the mom. <laughs> those. No. It, well, the mom's telling a scary story and she keeps putting her hand over her mouth. I was like, well, that baby knows not to speak evil, you know, like, um, which I thought was great because it's like, mm -hmm. you got the baby like, no, no. And getting upset because yep. the mom's just talking about it. Yep. That's great. I thought that was, I thought that was actually really good for their documentary that yeah. they were supposedly making. Um, yeah. and when that guy, was like you damn fool kids never learn and she's like wait why are you saying the damn fool kids never learn and he was like because there's something out there and everybody knows it and like you know you're going out there to like look for it and his friend's like there's nothing out there you're drunk <laughs> I love that interaction between there's just, there's some humor there's some humor in this movie too which is you know it's just great um in terms of writing um i'm also going to give it a five uh, I think that the Blair Witch Project um, became a modern horror classic um, and earns its place on the shelf. No one else could fill that. Um, I know it takes, you know, the found footage concept. Um, I know like Hannibal, Co I'm sorry, um, <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Saying it the wrong way. Cannibal Holocaust did that in like what, 1980 or something, you know, and like, they, they've every article you read makes mention of that movie and how that was like, you know, the prototype of, you know, the Blair Witch Project and stuff. So um, I guess we should mention it also. We are aware that this was not the first movie that used that concept of a film crew gone missing, doing something dangerous and recording, you know. Um, but that movie is like too much. I can't watch that movie. There's all the 
dead animals that they actually did kill. Yeah, and yeah, no thanks, no thanks. Um, so uh, I would give it a five because, like I said, it, it it's it's got its own space on the shelf of horror classics. Like you can't not have the Blair Witch Project. It's an essential movie. Um, if you're a horror fan, you know this movie and you may have even uh, traipsed into the world of their sequels, none of which were directed by the directors. They didn't have anything to do with it. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> um, I do want to watch the the Curse of the Blair Witch, the fake documentary that they made to go along with the movie. I didn't see that. I want to see that because apparently it talks more about like the serial killer, I guess, that like mm -hmm. gets you know that gets the kids and stuff. So, anywho, that's I'm I'm sidetracking. Um, would I get any ink? Um, I would. Uh, I would consider getting those little like wooden doll like, you know, like rough doll things that they find hanging because they're pretty cool looking. And it's immediately like, if you know movies, you see one of those and you immediately think that's the Blair Witch Project, you know. But I wouldn't in real life because like, I don't, like we talked about last time, like I don't want any anything negative or spooky or spooky ass like, you know, on my body. I gotta look at that. You know, that symbol is very cool, I think. And it holds up, like I said, it's so iconic. But no, even though it's fiction and like those were created by like a set designer and stuff, like, you know, what they represent in the movie is just yeah. evil, you know? Um, so no thanks. So no, I, I in real life would not get anything tattooed from the Blair Witch Project. But I will tell people going forward that, yeah, if you haven't seen it since it came out, you should give it a rewatch. You know, it definitely holds up. So, absolutely. It, I mean, it's there. I knew you were going there with though, and, and that's exactly why I wouldn't get anything because that's the first thing that I think of when I'm thinking of this movie is those darn dolls that scare the crap out of me. <laughs> and I mean, I no, no, not me. Not me. I I can't do it. Um, no, I, that's all I have to say. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's like you know, it's just can't can't mess can't mess around with the dark stuff. Uh, mm. For for me personally, hey, if you're out there and you're listening or you're watching, no judgments. It's no. cool. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that, a lot of imagery and stuff out there is awesome, and it's totally rock and roll. Uh, just personally, I just, for my own, you know, mental health sake, I can't, I can't rock anything dark, you know, anything that will, if I'm going through, you know, like a bad state when I have no filter and everything's affecting me, like, you know, it's whenever we will talk about that another time, but it's a blessing and a curse, more of a curse. You know, I don't, I don't want to have anything around me that usually in general that like could trigger any more dark images in my own head that won't come out. So, um, okay guys, thank you for hanging out with us for the Blair Witch Project. We are on our summer of blockbusters. Um, scroll through the past couple of episodes. We've got some really cool ones. Um, last one we did was Jaws. So that would talk about summer blockbusters. Um, and we have, more in store for you for next week. Uh, want to say thank you to my brother in pod, Jeffrey Watson Esquire the third, uh, for just being awesome and setting all of this up for us and manning the controls and making sure we sound good every week, you know. So thank you. No, I mean thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I listen. I I really enjoy our conversation conversations about movies, and um, it, it's just great. So, I mean, thank you for being a part of this. This is it's so much fun. So, thank you. My heart, my heart. <laughs> no, no tears today. No, no, no tears, no tears. <laughs> um, so we'll see you guys next week. Uh, get at us on Instagram, movies to be murdered by, 
movies to be murdered by at gmail.com. If you know us personally, send us a text and tell us what you think of the episode. If you don't know us personally, that's what email is for. Twitter, Instagram. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next week. Bye. Game over.